0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney.
1: And I am Carl.
0: This is episode 121, and we're reviewing Spy Family Season 1, Part 2. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode. Not only is it Season 1, Part 2, we've also gotten confirmation that there's a Season 2 and a movie for Spy Family coming oh out. Oh, boy. So we'll talk a little bit about that in a second because we don't know much, but we have like a teaser that came out. So we're gonna do some speculating what season two and what the movie might have in store for us. But first and foremost, we would like to give a huge shout out to our newest patron, Francis J. Woohoo!
1: Yes, thank you Francis for joining the Strictly Patreon family. I think you definitely deserve a Strictly Stella star.
0: Ooh, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, thank you, Francis. We appreciate your support. Hope you enjoy the content that we have on our Patreon and hope that you enjoy being part of the Strictly family. And if any of you guys listening would like to support the show and get access to things like our bonus episodes, our weekly pre-shows, you can see our show schedule so you can find out what's coming down the the pipeline for the month and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. You can find all of that over at patreon.com. Slash the Strictly series. Also, I always wonder when I clap on the microphone, what does that actually sound like? I've never, I think I've never like listened to myself do the clap. Does it sound weird on the receiving end?
1: I think it just sounds like a clap. Okay. <laughs>
0: it's
1: like a faint clap because, yeah, we don't want to clap right next to the microphone. Yeah, and blow
0: up people's ears. <laughs> yeah. But
1: it sounds like clap, two pieces of flesh coming together. That, that is the <laughs> that essential,
0: the essential <laughs> definition of clapping, whether it's hands or cheeks or whatever. Oh my god, okay, <laughs> let, let's move on. Well, yeah, Spy Family. We're gonna jump right into it because this is gonna be a hefty review for sure. Um, if you haven't done so, though, we do have a season one, part one review of Spy Family on Strictly Anime, which is episode 93. Um, Interestingly, it is our most listened to episode of 2022, so there's a lot of Spy Family fans out there. But we encourage you guys, if you haven't done so, listen to episode 93 to hear that part one review and then jump back into this part two review. All right, season two of Spy Family and the movie. Again, we don't know much of anything, but they did drop a teaser trailer for season two. And there's a couple of things that we can sort of deduce from that. I know you said that there seems to be some sort of cruise or cruise arc perhaps that season 2 is going to tackle.
1: Yeah, so the teaser, uh, it was like a 30-second teaser which features the voice actors for Spy Family as well as kind of animated shots of the manga panels for which I think is going to be the next arc that season 2 covers which I've been reading on Twitter and in some discussion forums it's supposed to be uh, where the family takes a cruise. So I'm not sure if stuff happens on the cruise related to Operation Strix. Um, I would hope that it goes that way, just seeing how season one ends on quite a fateful encounter for Lloyd. Um, So yeah, that's all I really know for now, or that's all both of us really know for now since we're anime-only watchers. Um, and then the next part of the teaser goes into what the movie might potentially be about.
0: If you haven't seen this teaser yet, we'll share a link in our Discord so you guys can watch it. And if you're not a member of the Discord, the link to join is in the description. But yeah, I, I've i vaguely heard about this cruise arc from Twitter posts from manga readers. I, I don't know anything really about it, but I'm I'm intrigued. I do hope... That season two um, does have some sort of like significant plot. Like to your point, I hope that the cruise arc has some tie-in to Operation Strix because it'd be fun to do like a, you know, like a, a side arc where they're on this cruise. But you don't want it to feel too filler. You want there to be some tie-in mm-hmm. to the overall plot. So I'm curious to see how a cruise ties into that. As for the movie, I have no fucking idea what's going on there. I We don't know if the movie is going to come out first and then season two or vice versa. My hope for the movie is that maybe we're going to get some like significant backstory on Lloyd, Yor, and Anya's stories and learn a little bit more about them. I think my only hope really for the movie is that it's canon because we all know how much it sucks to invest all that time into watching an anime movie and it's not even fucking canon.
1: I don't know. I feel like this is going to go the route of My Hero where they have movies that kind of just fit in between the lines of canon. Um, I think I was reading somewhere too, whether or not this was like a a Twitter post, that the mangaka Tatsuya Endo is involved with the production of the movie and that it's supposed to be an original story.
0: Oh shit, so it might not be canon. (laughs) Yeah, and even
1: in that, teaser you get a a view of the I assume visual for the film like the first visual where it's the family um, inside this red plane even though like how do I describe like the proportions of the plane are not in proportion to the family itself um, but yeah I, I feel like this is going to be it might be a cash grab for, like, how much hype there is around Spy Family right now. And granted, we, we will probably launch it just because we both love Spy Family. Uh, but I don't think this will be any sort of canon to the story.
0: Man, I feel like you're probably right, but I hope that we're wrong and that it is canon. At least, like, partially canon. Because, yeah, like, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy side adventures. I enjoy filler episodes to a certain degree but I don't know like sometimes when you watch that stuff you get so hype about what's going on in this movie or in this filler episode but then you sit back afterwards and you reflect on what you just watched and you're like well it doesn't matter anyway they're probably never going to talk about this because it's not canon like you would have been fine not watching it at all like it's it's not like it it's a waste of time I guess there's just like that sour note that goes with it when it's not canon that's me personally i'm sure there's other people who love that fillery stuff um that may not be canon but they just want more content around an anime that they love that's totally fine but i've got my fingers crossed for a canon movie
1: okay I i just pulled up an article from my anime list that says the movie will feature a brand new story by the original creator tatsuya endo so
0: well okay as long as it's canon if he makes it canon if he actually ties it back in if he references it at some point in the show i'll feel okay (laughs) but
1: i I think the the hard thing with movies like that like yeah it's an original story but i think it has to it can't break anything that's happened in the story proper already
0: well if it doesn't break it then that's fine I think there is a way to make an original story that doesn't show up in the manga, but still have it be canon. You see that sometimes in anime adaptations. They'll add stuff to the the actual core anime that is not in the manga, but because it's in the core anime, it then becomes canon for the anime only.
1: I don't know. I'm just thinking of how My Hero 2 Heroes how that kind of how <laughs> yeah. like my my viewing <laughs> of how anime movies like w- the the purpose behind them.
0: Well, we'll have to see. I'm sure more. Oh, info I'm sorry, it
1: wasn't uh, two heroes. It was was it? Heroes Rising. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. One, That's that the one.
0: one. That was a really good movie, though. Um, but yeah, I we'll see what happens with se- season two and this movie. Um, I imagine we're gonna get some announcements pretty quickly because they tend to move pretty quickly with Spy Family because it's such a a hype show, but I hope they don't move too quickly. I think the balance that Wood Studios and Cloverworks have struck with how they manage Spy Family is fantastic, so take all the time that you need to give us a proper season two and a really good movie. So now let's move into season one, part two. As always, we're going to have our final rating at the end of this review, and that's going to be a final rating for season one as a whole, plus our final thoughts. But thinking high level about part two of season one, what are some initial thoughts that you had or some initial takeaways?
1: I think I, I mentioned in our review of part one that I, I wasn't so hype about the show as most of the community was, but I, I still enjoyed it. And I think for part two, I was expecting a little bit more that would have driven the story forward. Uh, I don't know if we necessarily got that with part two, um, because I also noticed that there's a bit of new formatting for certain episodes that made it feel like they were moving into slice of life, uh, to the point where it also felt like there were a lot of you could call, you could consider them filler episodes in Spy Family, but this didn't hinder my enjoyment of the series as a whole like with part one and two because i think after watching the second core or as i was watching the second core i just reached this point of acceptance that this is just how spy family operates so i might as well just enjoy the ride do you did you get the same feeling or do you like do you kind of understand my drift
0: yeah, I think what what you're getting at is probably the same way that I feel, where Spy Family, is, there is an overarching plot. There is a an end goal to it. It's not just stuff happens or like adventure of the week format, but the way that they're approaching that overall plot is very drawn out. There is a lot of stuff in between that can feel a little more like filler-esque, because I think they're using those as an opportunity to get us to learn more about the characters. So mm-hmm. those filler type of episodes never feel like a waste of time because it's trying to show us something about a character or trying to grow a relationship between two characters or give us that build up about like who a character is so that we can see how they fit into Operation Strix, the, the overall plot of everything. Um, so I... I I was like you where I'm like, okay, I can accept it because there is some payoff to watching them. But part of me is still kind of like, well, I wish we'd progress the main plot a little faster. And so that reminds me of what I, I think what I shared um, in the part one review of what my hopes are for the rest of season one. And I believe I said that I hope that the second part progresses the plot more. And having watched the teaser for part two, I was also hopeful that there would mm-hmm. be a more significant villain in part two. But I think both of those hopes maybe didn't come to fruition entirely.
1: Yeah, that was over and done within three three episodes into the second core. It was a good was, arc, don't get me <laughs> yeah. wrong. But yeah, it was yeah. much shorter
0: than I had hoped it would be.
1: Yeah, but I think what's different with how Spy Family does does these like quote-unquote filler episodes, um, as, as you pretty much mentioned, they're much more engaging. Like, I wasn't watching these episodes with the idea that, oh, my God, this is a filler. Uh, But like you said, it it helps create more empathy with these characters, kind of builds up the world even more. And I think with the way that Spy Family mixes in comedy with these situations, it just makes for a more pleasant experience than having anime that do have clear filler episodes that you've you don't find any interest in just because you know they're, they're there to just fill in time basically
0: but with all that said it's not that we didn't enjoy part two of season one i think it had a ton to offer mm-hmm. i mean for god's sakes we got bond that that alone just like steals yes. the show for part two i'm <laughs> so glad we have bond and i can't wait to talk more about him
1: yeah actually what when we were in Japan, we went to a Uniqlo because Uniqlo has a collaboration. I don't know if it's still ongoing, but um, they do collaborations with anime every season or so. And so this season they had spy family. And so while we were over in Japan, we we picked up uh, shirts from Uniqlo that have the Bond's face on like a pocket on a t-shirt. Um, So I'm excited to wear that wherever I can wear (laughs) Yeah, I'll
0: I'll wear anything with Bond on it. He's so fucking cute.
1: But you know what? I want to also comment on a different character in the show because I know in part one, Courtney specifically was heaping praises on the best husbando of Spy Family, which is, of course, Lloyd Forger. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So I'm going to admit, after watching this score... I can safely say that your is best waifu material. Whoa, <laughs> and more it, so than Comey. <laughs> not, not better than Comey. I, I, was gonna say best waifu for this show. Oh, okay, okay. Course. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious because she is a housewife. Uh, but you know, after I, I know that your is not like the best of housewives, and I think this core makes that pretty clear, especially when it comes to her cooking. But I think just the effort that she puts into being the best wife or mother to Lloyd and Anya, respectively, is what makes me respect her.
0: Yeah, I see that. She is definitely best waifu material. She tries her damnedest with everything that she does, and you got to respect that.
1: And of course, she's a secret assassin. And although we don't get to see much of that in this core, let alone this whole first season, that's that's a definite plus, too. Like, I would want the Thorn Princess by my side, protecting me from all enemies. <laughs> and as usual, before we dive into our main discussion, we just wanted to talk about the OP and ED for the second core. So the OP, we have the song Souvenir by Bump of Chicken. Always these these interesting band names coming out of Japan. I know Bump of Chicken has, has been in the industry for quite some time I think they formed in the 90s Uh, but I think this is the first song that we've heard of them from an anime that we've watched and I remember going back to our trip in Japan I heard this song blasting almost everywhere from like convenience stores I think Family Mart played this every five minutes for (laughs) some promo they had with Family Mart I'm assuming and then all of the anime shops that we visited and I'll admit that helped me to appreciate this song a little bit more than I did the first time hearing it.
0: Yeah, this uh, this whole OP grew on me very quickly. I would say my initial thought was song is good but doesn't fit the theme of Spy Family because coming off of uh, Mixed Nuts by Official Higedandism, which was the previous OP, that had the spy espionage feel. The visuals match that. Here, I think it's this OP is meant to focus more on the slice of life aspects of Spy Family. So we got the spy espionage opening. Now we're getting the Slice of Life opening. Because even though Spy Family is a spy espionage show, it's an action comedy, you can't deny that Slice of Life is a huge component of this show.
1: I mean, the way that you had put it once while well, we were discussing the OP is that the first OP uh, mixed nuts is the spy part of spy family souvenir is the family part of spy family yeah i forgot souvenir. i said that thank you for reminding me that is uh,
0: that is entirely accurate but with that said like i i mentioned this op the second op grew on me very very quickly i love the song we talked about this extensively in um our favorite anime openings and endings of 2022 episode so uh, you probably already heard me say this, but I love the fucking claps that come in on the chorus. Like That just takes the whole song to another level for me. The whole song is a, is a vibe, but once those claps start hitting, that beat starts hitting, I'm like, this song is so fucking good.
1: I think for me, it's the part where the singer's like, hashite, hashite, and that's where... In the visuals, you see Anya running to the beat. Yeah, that's such a cute part. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me laugh every time I see it. Um, but yeah, even though this song's not as much of a banger as Mixed Nuts was, I would say it's it's a lot more wholesome. Even just visuals wise, they're they're more they're less action y and more subdued because it's more of like the the family itself spending time as a family and you have these really vibrant colors and and these lights i was gonna say ray tracing that's going (laughs) on across the different scenes that we see
0: no, you're absolutely right. The visuals are stunning in a very different way that Mixed Nuts, than the Mixed Nuts visuals were. I love the work that they use with flowers. Like the florals are, are a huge theme throughout this OP. And they find a way to embed that in pretty much every moment with every character. Um, like that one part where Yor is in her assassin outfit and she's like, I don't know, practicing in the forest or whatever. And she's whipping her, um, her like ice pick looking weapon around and then she points it outward and a flower lands on the the tip of it. I I really enjoy all of that. I think the visuals are stunning. The colors are gorgeous. And it just has a much more uplifting and vibrant feel than like the very dark and moody feel of Mixed Nuts. So I I love both of those OPs for very different reasons.
1: And even going into the lyrics for this OP, I think it's very much focusing on Appreciating the newfound memories and experiences of family, especially with the eponymous spy family, especially when you have this is these are lyrics pulled from the chorus. It says, "Placing a ribbon on each of the scenes my eyes picked out, I continue on my way home, collecting them like souvenirs." I think that's what you see throughout this part too. Even again, commenting back or going back to like the filler episodes, these are just snapshots of what happens in the lives of Lloyd and Anya and Yor, kind of collecting those together as as souvenirs and just appreciating those or each and every moment that we see of the trio then you have the ED uh, the song of which is Shikisai or Color by Yama this is the same artist who did the first ED for Ranking of Kings that we've watched previously um, I would say this has that spy family, jazzy, funky vibe that I would expect expect from the series. Although it it doesn't hit, you know, like as with mixed nuts, hits a little more than souvenirs. I think comedy by Gen Hoshino from Part One hits a little bit more than Shikisai by by Yama, but it's it's still a good song for for what it is. Um, and then you have the visuals where it's mostly. Like these panoramics of the the forger's apartment across different scenes, and then it ends in that succulent family dinner.
0: Succulent?
1: No, <laughs> is that a is that not a good word to describe a dinner? It's it's succulent. a fair word.
0: <laughs> this song, I think, it embodies the chaos that these slice of life elements of Spy Family have, because the song. Like it, it's constantly like moving. It's constantly bubbly, and like I don't know how to describe it. Like there's that that sound in the background. It's it's not a piano, but it's something, and it's just like
1: it's like a piano with like some sort of synthesizer. There you go.
0: Yeah, like that that sound just keeps the song moving at a at a kind of chaotic pace, but not chaotic in a bad way. So again, I think that matches the dual lives that the forgers are, are trying to balance throughout the show i will say as gorgeous as the visuals are they do sometimes give me a little bit of motion sickness because mm-hmm. they're constantly rotating that room around and showing different characters and different people doing stuff i'm already prone to motion sickness so i was watching it and i'm like holy shit i probably can't watch this every single episode
1: yeah, it's like those old school games where you'd have to like, it would show you a scene, and then you'd have to click an arrow on oh, the, side the, the screen. Oh, the point-and-click games, yeah. Yeah, that's what I got from this. Like, those
0: old mystery games that are point-and-click, and you have to, like, rotate mm-hmm. the rooms or whatever, or move to another room. I, I could totally see that.
1: Yeah, maybe that's what they're trying to emulate, but I can see that. Yeah, it, it kind of makes your eyes dizzy at some point. <laughs> and then for lyrics for this one, I think it's similar in theme to what we see in Souvenir. Um Just some lyrics. I think this kind of comments on like the faux nature of the spy family. Uh, I think the opening lines never ever take your eyes off the details. Cause these adults are busy pretending to become something they really are not. Damn, it's so, yeah, <laughs> like are, what I our
0: our daily lives as millennials. Yeah, I, I guess we're that just <laughs> all we're all suffering from imposter syndrome. We're all just yeah. pretending to make our way through life. So
1: I guess yeah, the, the the lyrics are kind kind of meta in that sense. Um, but then you have lyrics like a piece of pearl can be nickel and dime if it doesn't have a story it can tell. I think what it's trying to say here is just like making sure that you have the best of time together as a family or making the most out of every situation. Uh, So again, similar in theme to what we see with Bump of Chicken Song. All right, Strictly fam, time to lend me your Eleganto ears as we dive into our synopsis and discussion for Spy Family Part 2, the 2022 anime adaptation of a manga series by Tatsuya Endo a collaboration between Wit Studio and Cloverworks, directed by Kazuhiro Furuhashi. The Second Corps continues to follow wise agent Lloyd Forger as he treads the fine line between a duty to his mission against Ostanian autocrat Donovan Desmond and a commitment to Yor and Anya in the functioning of his dysfunctional family. In Mission 13, Project Apple... Lloyd decides to add a furry new member of the spy family as a reward for Anya's good noodle star, but the adoption excursion is cut short when he gets looped into an Ostanian terrorist plot targeting the visiting Westalis foreign minister. Anya still manages to find her way into the canine conundrum after befriending a big blanched borfer with foreseeing abilities. And you know what, let's throw Yor into the mix too since she believes Anya is about to be roped into a child trafficking scheme. I guess this situation has really gone to the dogs.
0: So I want to read off a note that I took when we first watched episode 13, and I I wrote verbatim, we're immediately starting out with conflict, which is great because that felt like the one thing missing from the first part. Well, little did I know. (laughs) Yeah, it
1: it gets resolved in the matter of three episodes.
0: So. But it's good. Like, it's good conflict. I, I enjoyed it. It did not feel, um, I don't know, forced or anything. It, I think it made sense. Like, there's this ongoing conflict between the two countries that Lloyd is kind of in the middle of. Yours technically kind of in the middle of. So, of course, we're going to have, you know, a, a group of terrorists, a group that is unhappy with the way something is being done in their respective country, and therefore they're going to fuck some shit up. That all made sense. Like, that that worked really well um, for this. And I think it, it worked well for this mini Bond arc. And we do learn in this episode that he can Bond can see into the future. And then Anya is able to read those visions through her telepathy. But I would say by the end of part two, we really don't know much about, like, the details of Bond's powers, like the limitations, how it works, any of that. We just know that he was experimented on and therefore has this ability and now he's a forger
1: yeah i think it was project apple that was the experiment um, that was mentioned uh i have a note here it's it was ostania's research project to produce animals with high iqs so that makes me wonder it was that sort of like the first phase of their experiments or research projects before they moved on to human subjects there for establishing anya and her special Esper abilities
0: yeah that's a really good question and I think that's why Anya and Bond have such a close connection I was about to say they have a close bond (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's more than just like you know the kid of the family loves the pet of the family I think it's they both came from a very similar upbringing we still don't know very much about Anya's backstory really we don't know a lot about anyone's backstory at this point but we do know enough to say Bond and Anya have a a commonality there, and whether they realize it or not, I think that's helping to bring them together.
1: Yeah, this first episode, going back to the main conflict, which is, again, this Ostania terrorist plot against the foreign minister of West Dallas, who's coming over to visit, I think, to establish some sort of diplomacy between these turbulent- Diplomacy? Diplomacy (laughs) in these turbulent (laughs) times between the two countries. Um, I know, like, Spy Family, people have commented that it has a lot of Cold War overtones between, like, the, the subdued conflict between the East and the West. But I think this terrorist plot arc is the first kind of in-your-face thing we see when it comes to Westalis versus Ostania, whereas everything before was, was very under the radar. Um, so I think that, that's what's interesting about this arc and even though it gets resolved in two more episodes, but I think the most important thing is that we, we do get best boy bond out of out of this.
0: This episode also reminds me that there's a really nice blend in Spy Family of uh, things that like a general audience could enjoy, but also isn't afraid to tap into some serious topics. The reason I say that is because of your fear of Anya being a, uh, subjected to child trafficking. Or being at Mm -hmm. risk of child trafficking like that's that's really intense even though they don't talk about it much like just that idea is really intense and again like that's the reality of the world that they live in that is why lloyd is a spy. That's why he's, you know, taking on Operation Strix to create a more peaceful world that they just don't have right now. So you get these little these little hints. Even though Spy Family has such like a positive feel to it, it's a comedy, you still get those moments where you're like, oh shit, there's some serious undertones going on here.
1: I mean with a show called Spy Family, I'm I think it needs to delve into topics that are relevant to parents. And so I like think protecting a child, especially one from, from child trafficking, trafficking, is a paramount concern for any parent, um, even in, in real times such as ours. Uh, so as much as it adds that comedic aspect to it with your not understanding the situation fully, I, I like that the show still manages to tackle this topic in a, a sort of tasteful, reverent way. In Mission 14, Disarm the Time Bomb, Yor scares off lead terrorist Keith Kepler with his tail between his legs, but leaves an explosive booby trap for Lloyd and his wise team at a key clock tower location. Anya and the big Blanche de Borfer manage to steer Lloyd to safety with the power of ketchup, prompting our austere agent to disguise himself as the visiting foreign minister to face off against Keith and his corrupted canine companion.
0: When I was watching this episode, I kept thinking to myself, if Anya somehow finds a way to disarm this bomb, I'm going to be a little disappointed because I just feel like that's outside of her wheelhouse. That's outside of her capabilities. She already struggles in school because she's probably in a grade level much higher than her actual age that she's hidden. So here, the resolution was very appropriate and very cute for her because she didn't know how to disarm it. So the best next option for her was to write a warning message for Loy. But even then, that warning message was super vague because she doesn't know how to write a warning message. And so I think that that was a fantastic resolution to this bit of conflict. And I'm glad the, that they went that direction. I'm glad that the creator went that direction with this.
1: Two questions, though. One, where did she get ketchup? And then two, how did she know where the bomb was exactly placed in the building? Unless she kind of referenced Bond's like future ability
0: that's what i recall that she had seen the clock tower or something like that like she had seen the general general location and was probably able to like find it through that but yeah you're right that is a bit of a stretch the ketchup though wasn't there ketchup in the room or something
1: oh maybe i think there were like supplies (laughs) in
0: the room i can't remember but yeah i think there was like ketchup in the room somewhere (laughs) and that's what she used
1: Yeah, i mean it's been a while since uh, we saw that first episode so i i didn't have it in my notes so i can't recall exactly uh yeah the the other scary uh, a scary thing about this episode is with keith and his companion dog which it's been established that in the terrorist terrorist plot they're using the dogs that were from project apple that were put on the black market um, th- this terrorist group picked them up and are using them as, like, walking bombs, basically. And that cliffhanger, like, I <laughs> I nearly lost my shit because I was thinking, oh, my God, is Lloyd about to, to shoot this dog? I was like,
0: don't even. Don't you fucking even. <laughs> yes,
1: because obviously that, that, that hits closer to home for us because we are pet owners and we are dog owners. <laughs> so yeah, speaking
0: like, of which, Rigby is... Just living his best life right now. Just lounging on the floor while we mm-hmm. record. We'll share a picture of him in the Discord so you guys can see how he's, how he's laying his lazy ass self right now.
1: Yeah, you're lucky you you weren't in Project Apple Rigby. <laughs> but yeah, I was gonna say like this, the next episode was gonna be a make or break for me if I really liked Lloyd as a character. Uh, thankfully. Nothing bad happens to the dog. You know, dogs don't know any better. They're just trained to follow whatever their master commands them.
0: I know, I was freaking out. I'm like, don't do it. We already have to deal with a Rocky as JoJo fans and the way he treats Mm -hmm. dogs and JoJo. We don't need more of that. Um, But no, it, it turned out fine. Uh, Another thing I noticed in this episode was that multiple times Anya stopped herself from directly helping Yor and Lloyd, all for the fear of being rejected by them if they were to discover her powers. And we talked about this in the first part of Spy Family, because there were multiple instances of that when she first got adopted by Lloyd. But it's still so sad. It's so sad to think that she's afraid of rejection. She's been so desperate for a loving family, finally has that, and just because of her powers, like she's scared that they're going to throw her away. And it's like it's multiple layers. Cause then on top of that, it's like really sad to think that like she could be so helpful and and so praised for her abilities in helping your and Lloyd. But yeah, it's just all this all this fear stops all of these things from coming to fruition.
1: Which is why I kind of hope that we get more backstory with Anya. I think, again, she was part of some experiment, but there are probably traumatic experiences from that where she now feels like her psychic abilities are are sort of hindrance at, rather than something that could be absolutely helpful to, to Lloyd and Yor. Uh, so I'd like to, at some point, see more of why, or like what has happened in Anya's life in her four years of childhood that could...
0: Wait, she's four?
1: I think we talked about in part one that she claims she's six, but is actually probably a couple years younger than that.
0: But do we know for... Like, I, I knew that, but do we know for certain, like, her actual age? I thought the mm-hmm. orphanage didn't know. And then, yeah, like, Lloyd... She lied to Lloyd that way she would qualify as a kid that he could adopt for his purposes.
1: Oh, uh, I'm not sure. I, I, if Lloyd estimated that she's four years old, I would go by Lloyd's judgment. Because
0: well, no, I think he knows. Well, okay, I, th- I thought he was going with she's six because she said she, she was six. He was a little hesitant about it, but he's like, okay, you're six because I need you to be six. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's why I'm saying like, maybe Lloyd knows her actual age and maybe it is closer to four. Yeah, but. she's definitely
0: yeah four or five. I could see that she's she's not she's not that far off, but she's just not at that grade level that she's in, which is why she struggles so bad.
1: Yeah, and again, it's just sad that she has to think about this, um, like the the fear of rejection. When it's it's clear that Lloyd and your love Anya very much, even if Lloyd's just kind of in a way using her for his mission. In mission fifteen, a new family member. Call Lloyd the patron saint of dogs, as he deftly relieves Keith's corrupted canine companion of detonating duties while Yor haphazardly halts the hijacker's hustle. The pretend parents then decide to welcome Anya's big blanched Borfer into their home at the wise handler's approval. I may not have foreseeing abilities, but I feel like they're really going to have a strong bond with this big furry fella.
0: This was... Just one of the best episodes ever. Like, it was really sad seeing the torture that Bond endured when he was experimented on, um, when he was part of that terrorist group. But then seeing how happy he was with the forgers was just all the warm, fuzzy feelings. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, like, this does hit very close to home because our first corgi, Ein, who lived to the very ripe old age of 15 was a rescue who had been abused before we brought him into our home. And he was just like Bond, super chill, super quiet, super lazy. Um, I think going through those experiences kind of subdued maybe his personality a little bit, kind of like we see with Bond here. And, you know, watching Bond in the anime not know how to play with toys Or with other dogs in the park was exactly how our dog was too when we first adopted him because he had never had those experiences so it was just so nice to watch this episode and see bond you know join a a loving family and learn what it's like to have companionship and love and and all of that so i know it's a little sentimental but it was really nice i think any any pet owner would watch this episode and feel very similarly that it's just so nice to see a, a pet find a loving home
1: Yes, adopt, don't shop. <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> uh, also, like, you know, Bond is a is kind of a senior dog. He's not a, a young pup, uh, so I, I appreciate that aspect of, of his character. That the family was so willing to accept a dog who might be up there in years, but you know, it's clear that he's he's formed a bond with them. <laughs> uh, I, I think Bond is obviously a reference to James Bond um agent 007 yeah i love
0: that he wears a little bow tie too that's really nice
1: just like the real bonds um i think in in universe it's because it's one of anya's favorite characters bond man from the, the spy show that she watches but real world we we know where that reference comes from
0: This episode does have other heavy themes as well because I think towards the end of the episode Lloyd is watching Anya play with Bond and reflecting on the terrorist incident and all of this shows why he keeps taking steps backward and really making himself a true part of this family and that is simply because he remembers that someday this facade, this lie is going to all end and he thinks he can't have anything in his personal life with the risk that he faces as a as a spy as a secret agent because that could extend those risks could extend to his family members and as a spy like to protect yourself you have to cut yourself off from human emotion um, and it's just it was like sad watching that because you can tell he so desperately wants to just kind of let go let his guard down and be a part of this family but he just can't yet
1: then imagine if he does have to Cut off ties with your Anya and Bond. Like, I think that would be more traumatic than, or maybe like that will just compound the trauma that Anya has already had.
0: Yeah. And then on top of that, still more heavy themes. The, I think the very, very end of the episode when Handler is there and she's interacting with Anya, which is kind of cool seeing Handler, I guess, introduce herself to Yor and, and Anya and Bond for the first time. You, there's a subtle moment that I think you actually missed the first time we watched this episode. Handler says that she used to have a daughter Anya's age. And I was mm. like, holy shit, wait a second. Like that, that line was just so subtle, it could easily go over your head. But when you stop and think about it, you're like, oh, my God. That, that, that means there's a lot that's that's going on with her past.
1: Yeah, I didn't have that in any of my notes. I just, I wrote like, why are Handler and Lloyd openly whispering about Operation Strix (laughs) with your earshot? Um, But yeah, I think that throwaway line might come into play at some point down the road. So good thing you caught that. Uh, And yeah, this third episode into part two, this is the end of the antagonist that we thought would, be there for the whole second core
0: yeah i know that was my hope with the first half like i hope that we have a long-standing villain a longer arc that plays plays out but after this we do dive into more of that uh adventure of the week formula
1: and of course we end with bond joining the family it's funny that he has that his barking sound effect is just like a, a Borfu? It's like he's saying, you can have Borfu-D's mixed nuts. Oh
0: my god!
1: <laughs> In Mission 16, Yor's Kitchen and The Great Informant's Romance Plan, this episode is sponsored by Food Network. Or at least it would have been if Yor didn't cook up a literal storm, despite her coworker Camilla's best teaching efforts. Although Yor has at least one stupendous recipe. Meanwhile, Lloyd's own co-worker, Frankie, asks the super spy spouse for dating advice, but it's clear that there is only one tip for his curly-haired colleague. Looks could kill.
0: Okay. Okay, hear me out. Siscon stuff aside, Yuri is a great character, and I fucking love him. I love him because he cares deeply about his sister. Again, Siscon stuff at aside. At the expense of his health. Siscon <laughs> stuff aside, he does care about her They grew up, just the two of them, for a long time. He is so dedicated to his sister. And then on the flip side, he fucking hates Lloyd because he's so jealous (laughs) that he took her away. I love Yuri. Every fucking Yuri episode is, like, the best to me. Even if it is really fillery, I don't care. I love him. I think he's so funny. And watching him, like, I, I like how... Yor's friends or coworkers brought in Yuri to try the food because they know her cooking is such shit. And of course, he loves it, but pukes as he's eating it, but doesn't care because he's just so happy to be eating her cooking, and that's what he grew up on. But we do get that short flashback of Yuri and Yor when they were kids, where they were with their mom and eating some of her cooking. So that tells us that they didn't lose their parents, or at least lose their mom, until maybe... I don't. I have no idea what age range, but they were at I think least when like
1: Yor was at least a teenager.
0: Yeah, so like they they were old enough to be able to function on their own, which is why Yor had to take care of Yuri and get her assassin job so that she could make money to support him.
1: <laughs> she just walks in with like blood stains on her yeah, shirt and, he and her doesn't face. notice. <laughs> and I just I think it's Kencho Ono who voices Yuri, uh, Kencho Ono being more notably known to us as the voice of Giorno Giovanna but yeah he he gets that that like sister worshiping voice down (laughs) so very well.
0: When Yor goes back to her home she kind of has that moment of reflection where she wants to be a part of the Forger family in order to not get arrested for being a single woman because they're they're being like targeted right now so it kind of you know, remind you that every member of the forger family sort of has their own selfish reasons for ensuring that the forgers stay together. But then she says that she's just genuinely happy to see them like her cooking. And that again, that then reminds us that she really does actually care about them. She wants to be a part of this family. Yes, there is a benefit to her being safe from being arrested, but really she's more focused on like them actually liking her.
1: Yeah, best housewife material right there she
0: tries her hardest okay even though her cooking still sucks i can relate i'm not a good cook either
1: (laughs) (laughs) at least it doesn't make me like it it doesn't induce vomiting in me so
0: (laughs) good i'm glad (laughs) and then the latter half of the episode is frankie getting some time to shine wanting to ask a girl out but then it doesn't work out and lloyd comforts him at a bar and reminds him that people like us can't get attached to other people because there's too much risk Which is interesting because Frankie also reminded Lloyd of that in one of the later episodes of part one um, where he was suspecting Yor of being like a backstabber or she was going to betray him. And then he realizes that she wasn't, but then Frankie's like, don't get too attached. And it's just like, oh, well, you know, I hope they do get too attached.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess that adds more context to what happens because I wrote here like this seems to be As pure of a filler episode in Spy Family as you can get uh, with yours cooking and then with Frankie asking for dating advice. But yeah, it does plant that seed again about Lloyd not getting too attached with the current family situation.
0: But to that point, even though it does seem like filler on the surface, it it has that payoff as do all of these episodes in Spy Family. And the payoff is more relationship development between lloyd and frankie you see that they actually do have a little bit of a friendship they aren't just co-workers or you know on the same team for operation strikes like lloyd does actually care about frankie
1: yeah but he still gets dumped in the end so (laughs) (laughs) poor frankie in mission 17 carry out the griffin plan full metal lady and omelet rice The astounding Anya gets paired up with the dashing Damien in an arts and crafts contest that ends up in farts and craps for the both of them. As for her pretend parents, Lloyd has a clandestine update meeting with the handler, who can't seem to get a handle on a dangling price tag from her coat, and Yor cooks up an abominable amurice in a flashback scene for her grateful but gagful brother Yuri.
0: I love any Anya and Damien content. I've said this before. I shit the shit out of them. I think that they have like such a cute little, like, well, uh, I guess a one way crush at this point. But I love that Damien's a a little, you know, male today, and he tries to deny that he has feelings for Anya, but he definitely does. So it's cute seeing them work together.
1: I just love that Anya, she thinks she's doing her best to forge a relationship with Damien. But it's just a piss-poor attempt after all things considered, especially when they're trying to build the the griffin, I think it was. Um, and, you know, Anya's she proves that she's not a very good partner when she adds, like, the jet engines to <laughs> the griffin.
0: I know, Damien probably has, like, whiplash with Anya. Like, one second he's, like madly in love with her like has this growing crush on her and the other second she's like disappointing him so bad in some way or maybe you know punching him in the face so yeah there's definitely some whiplash going on there for for Damien but we also get some insight into how desperately Damien wants his father's approval Mm -hmm. and knows his father doesn't ever think about him and this will come into play of course towards the end of part two of this season
1: and I like how the arts and crafts competition thing gets resolved in the end because their project ends up getting high marks.
0: First place, I think. Yeah. Which is so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. Yeah, because
1: I think whoever was the, the judge of the contest thought they had like a really provocative statement <laughs> about hope after war. <laughs> and was it Anya had like the the little baby griffin? That yeah. I think it, was, it was originally like um, her attempt at making Bond, but they thought it was like a, a baby griffin corpse. That was just in front of the actual project. <laughs> Brilliant.
0: We do learn a little bit more about Handler and Lloyd's secret meetups, which was it was cool. Just a kind of a, a little bit. Um, but the post credits scene—that was my fucking favorite part of this whole episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it shows a, it shows Yuri barfing while eating yours cooking again, but then he he praises her cooking. Thinking that it's good, and says that she'll get married really fast. And then she gets all flustered and slaps the shit out of him <laughs> yeah. out of embarrassment. Very similar to how she tried to slap Lloyd when they were about to kiss when Yuri was first uh, visiting them. Mm-hmm. And, but the slap like sends Yuri flying, and so now we understand why he's got this invincible body because then it flashes <laughs> forward to present day, and I think he gets hit by like a fucking car or something, and he's totally like unfazed by it.
1: Yeah. Now, maybe there's something helpful about yours cooking.
0: Yeah, an upbringing I, under your, yeah, gets you ready for anything.
1: But I just love that all of her dishes are censored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not meant for anyone else's eyes. In Mission 18, Uncle the private tutor and daybreak, with Anya freaking out about an upcoming exam where she can't use her psychic abilities thanks to moon prism power, Yuri becomes her reluctant tutor, but commends her love for Yor making up for her lack of intelligence. So, of course, Lloyd must step in to alter Anya's exam grades, but finds another conspiring cowboy in his recon rodeo that nearly hog ties his handiwork.
0: This episode was like a high and a low for me. The high being we got another Yuri segment. And again, besides being a siscon, he is just so fucking funny, especially when he arrives at the Forger's home, opens the door and sees Lloyd there, and he gets all pissed off and he's like, why can't you go to work on your day off? <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. And then on top of that too, like he, he also has some negative sentiments towards Anya, but then he realizes that Anya cares about your and so he's like all right i fuck with that you care about my sister you want to you know bring something good to her life so i can help you out but at the end it's all for naught because she still can't learn anything for school
1: right i think she says like what's grammar and then he just storms out. <laughs> like, oh and I, I
0: love that because it's not ending on some like happy note. It's not like, oh, you know, Yuri started off hating Anya or disliking Anya. And now like they ha- they form this really nice bond. They're starting to develop this relationship. He's like, nah, fuck it, I'm out of here. This is too much work.
1: Yeah, I think his relationship with Anya is just conditional. Like he's only helping her because he knows that she wants to do your proud. And it and makes like, you happy, yeah. too. So it's only because like, there's there's an element of your getting something positive out of it, which is why Yuri does his best to help Anya. But, yeah, I just love how he just storms out after that. But
0: then he storms back in to eat all the shitty cookies, and then he <laughs> yeah. storms back out.
1: What a dumb character.
0: The second half, though, was the low for me. I Really? I didn't like it. Like, the new Daybreak comedic character was funny at first, but... Even in half an episode, the gag got old really fast for me. I was like, okay, I get it. He sucks at his job and he's a hindrance to Lloyd fulfilling his his goal and whatever he's doing, trying to find Anya's grades or something, right?
1: Yeah, I think Lloyd was trying to yeah fix Anya's grades and then Daybreak was trying to alter the Desmond brothers' grades, but it's for them to fail, I think. Yes. But then Lloyd alters it back, which causes Daybreak to get fired. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I, I love, like, there's ob- an obvious contrast between both characters, even with their names. Daybreak, I think it mentions in this this mini episode, it's like Daybreak of the East, and then Lloyd's agent name is Twilight of the West. Uh, I liked it because it reminds me of... That episode of Cowboy Bebop where Spike faces off against Andy.
0: Okay, that's really good. I that's my favorite <laughs> Cowboy Bebop episode, Spike versus Andy. I I get that. I don't feel the same vibe though. Uh,
1: I, I don't know. I just thought. I I guess in a way, yeah. It's it's kind of stupid that you're juxtaposing just juxtaposing Lloyd with this really goofy and dumbass character. Um, but I I just find something funny about the hijinks. And maybe it's also because the voice actor for Daybreak is Uichi Nakamura, who does the voice of Gojo from Jujutsu Kaisen, Boucherati from Jojo, and Hawks from My Hero. Uh, He's one of my favorite voice actors. In Mission 19, a revenge plot against Desmond and Mama Becomes the Wind. The family of an unfortunate-looking classmate of Damien's becomes victim to the Desmond group's corporate greed. So Voldemort Jr. takes advantage of his class's kindness in sending him off before he realizes that the invisible hand of capitalism has actually held him within the nurturing fold of My Eden Academia. Afterwards, Yor busts her ass in delivering Anya's forgotten gym clothes to the school, but the gym class hero turns into a gym class zero when she overlooks her daughter's P.E. schedule.
0: The first half of the, this episode was okay as well. Yeah, filler. Yeah, this is it was filler. like the weird looking alien kid who's pissed. The because, Voldemort kid. Yeah, the <laughs> Voldemort kid. I don't even like Harry Potter, but yeah, that's a, that's all I could think. I'm like, he's he looks like Voldemort. Um, but yeah, he's pissed because uh, of Damien's dad's influence on his dad's company and blah blah blah. Um, and then he like it's just like hijinks. Like he makes everyone think that he's gonna have to change schools. They all feel guilty for him, and then. His like, you know, life comes to bite him in the ass. And he realizes, oh, actually, none of that's going to happen. And he has to give back everything that he received from everybody. So, yeah, like it was funny. But like the daybreak thing, like it just kind of got old fast for me. And I there wasn't a lot of payoff because you're right. Like it was very much filler. Unless this, this alien kid's going to come back um, in some way, shape or form and be more significant to the story. I was kind of like, eh, it's all right.
1: Yeah, this all this really establishes is that we already knew this that the Desmonds have considerable influence in Ostania. Um, so that <laughs> I think the Desmond group buying out Glumen Pharmaceuticals just it's an example of that. Um, I thought the coral farewell to uh, what's his name George uh, or they call him Joji i think just, um, like when the students sing that song to him like it was kind of weird that was
0: fucking cringe you, you yeah. can be honest it was fucking cringe and I mean, then yeah. damien started dancing and i was like no <laughs> but i like that
1: there's a shot of the whole class and you just see anya there with a really like sullen face like what the fuck's happening because that's exactly what we were thinking yeah this whole part.
0: The latter half, though, was much better when Yor thought that Anya forgot her gym clothes. It was just nice for you to get some screen time that actually highlights her abilities. Even though she's not doing any assassin work, we do see that you know she can fucking parkour like no parkour.
1: other. Parkour, yeah. Love that. Again, like you said, we don't see much of Yor in action. And then here, it's, it's not for her job. It's just to get the gym clothes over to Anya. It's just weird that... I think Lloyd's watching her throughout this whole thing, but he conveniently never sees her, like, scaling the damn school wall. Because remember, the, the students were talking about some myth or urban like legend. Like a ghost
0: or something. <laughs> yeah, and then
1: Yor pops up in the window, and then it freaks the one kid out because he thinks that's the urban legend. Like, wh- wh- where is, where's Lloyd when... Those things happen.
0: I know. It's it's very convenient. And he's also conveniently dense when it comes to certain things about Yor and Anya. But there is that moment at the end where Lloyd doesn't want Yor getting depressed um, because it'll affect the mission and therefore like invites her to lunch. That's another one of those moments where like I get frustrated because I would rather him feel concerned about her getting depressed and inviting her to lunch because he doesn't want her feeling sad, not because it'll affect the mission. But we're always reminded that Lloyd cannot afford to have connections with people. He doesn't allow himself to have connections with people. So that's why he seems to take the colder route of, well, if it's going to impact my mission, then I need to do this kind-hearted thing.
1: Mm, Yeah. There's another instance of this later that I'm sure we'll comment on. In Mission 20, Investigate the General Hospital and Decipher the Perplexing Code, it's Take Your Dubious Daughter to Work Day as Anya joins Lloyd at the local hospital on an assignment to learn about his full psychiatrist occupation and reports back to her class weaving a tale that's harder to understand than a doctor's chicken scratch handwriting. Equally as incomprehensible is a secret code letter that the little pink-haired gremlin conjures up after watching an episode of spy wars which funky frankie manages to decipher only to be hurt brocken once again
0: this episode was great because we got more context around Yor and lloyd's balancing of their dual lives so we do get a glimpse of Yor's job when she's sort of explaining it to anya or thinking how she would explain it to anya she gets calls from that that unknown person to us at this point Um, She took on this job to support her brother. That's why she started doing it at such a young age. But I think the coolest part, or the most interesting part, rather, is that she says she loves her work because she's removing filth from the country. And that's something I've been wondering Mm -hmm. for a long time with Spy Family. There's this noble aspect to Lloyd's role as a spy because he's trying to achieve peace so that no more kids need to, you know, go through terrible things. But I always wondered, I'm like, well, how does your feel about her job? Because as an assassin, your whole goal is to kill people. So how, what noble tie-in does that have? But here... They explain that she feels like she's removing filth from the country. She's bettering the country by ridding it of these people who are trying to do bad things. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. Like that kind of answers that question for me.
1: That just makes me think, will things come to a head if what yours mission is comes into conflict with what lloyd's mission is oh
0: hell yeah my theory and i think i may have mentioned this in the part one review but my theory is that all of these forger pieces are going to come together most likely that Yor is going to be assigned an assassination of twilight of of Mm -hmm. lloyd that's my theory there with them too kind of like how anya is going to find or be devastated in some way when she realizes she was helping lloyd get to damien's dad and then maybe, like, something bad happens to him. I know right, right now they're using him for information purposes. But, like, I feel like that's going to that's gonna be a conflict that comes to a head at some point. All, again, my theories. I have no idea if I'm correct. But we'll see how that all plays out.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like there's something boiling under the surface uh, besides seeing all of these slapstick happy moments that <laughs> maybe it's just going to crush everybody in the end. But that remains to be seen. Yeah. Uh, but the beginning of this episode where I think Anya is reading Yor's thoughts, where she's contemplating if she should tell Anya about her real job as an assassin. I like the, the dream sequence where kind of kind of like Schindler's List, where everything is filmed in gray, and then you get the splashes of red, which is from like the, the blood of her victims. And your goes into like a precise study of human anatomy about like, where to kill humans at painless points. And that just turns Anya off to just go to Lloyd and learn about his job as a psychiatrist.
0: Which is cool because then we do get to see how Lloyd maintains his other job of his many jobs that he apparently has, which is another question I've had for a little while. I'm like, what does Lloyd say that he does? So we know that he is a psychiatrist. Or he says he's a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. This is what he tells your and Anya. But I was like, is that legitimate? Does he actually do psychiatrist stuff or does he just say that and then he goes off and does his spy stuff but no like he legitimately is working as a psychiatrist in this hospital where people love him and praise him for his work and his abilities but then they also have some some other agents planted in this hospital to help him out as needed so yeah for the longest time i thought he was lying about being a psychiatrist but he legit is a psychiatrist
1: so many things that he has to juggle makes me like how does a man like that just keep in tip top shape? It's like a an ideal world, I
0: guess. Well, it's so funny because to your point, he he juggles all of these things, but he hasn't experienced anxiety until he oh, right. formed the Forger family. Because I think at one point he said like, "Hello, anxiety, my old friend." When like I don't know Anya did something dumb or whatever. So it's it's funny to see that he's mentally solid with everything that he's got except when it comes to your Anya.
1: i think we also get a soft introduction here to a possible romantic rival that gets the full introduction in the next episode um so that was an interesting tidbit that i pulled from episode 20 and then there's the stuff about the the code which was just Just dumb fun, I guess, for Anya to come up with a a secret code that she was inspired to do after watching Spy Wars. I didn't really get much from this scene, though.
0: Yeah, neither did I. It was fun to watch, but that's about it.
1: In Mission 21, Nightfall, and First Fit of Jealousy, romantic rivalry runs rampant as the cold-blooded Fiona Frost descends upon the faux family with her icy eyes transfixed on Lloyd. But this bitch better swerve because we all know your is best waifu on this show. So let's move on to a more heartwarming story, where our big blanched Borfer tries making amends with Anya after putting her penguin plushie through a pretty perilous predicament.
0: So as interesting and as like intense as this episode was, I felt really sad watching it. Again. These themes about like spies not being able to connect with other people were very prevalent in this episode. We of course get introduced to Fiona, blah blah blah. She's a, she wants to be a homewrecker and you know get you out of the pictures so that she can be with Lloyd as fake wife, but then hopefully develop an actual romantic relationship. But then at a certain point when they're all sitting in the living room and she's watching how lloyd interacts with your she says that she can tell it's a fake smile that he has because they're spies trained to conceal their true feelings which includes her own feelings toward lloyd they can't reveal anything until this cold war is over so yeah it's it's sad watching the interaction between lloyd and your after fiona mentions this because you can tell lloyd really wants to make your feel comfortable but he can't fully be himself he can't break down those walls
1: so you don't think lloyd has Like true feelings for
0: your, I hope he does. I ship the (laughs) fucking shit out of them. I hope they become canon at some Mm -hmm. point, like I'm sure a lot of the spy family fandom feels as well. But at this point, I think it's very difficult to tell. Even if he does have feelings for her, um, he may not realize it because he can't allow himself that. Or maybe he is just so fixated on protecting himself by not making those connections that he can't even like contemplate that type of human connection
1: yeah so i guess in a way fiona is like quantifying the sort of things that we would feel are emotionally relevant for a parent or a husband to have but i think as you said earlier all of this is just for lloyd to make sure that his mission stays intact and that there's like no stone unturned in letting it go awry although that coded talk between the two of them uh fiona and lloyd it was just so complex when everything is translated into or it was simple phrases that they were saying to each other but then on screen you see like the subtitles of what they're actually trying to say with like the, their their spy jargon
0: yeah that okay that whole thing really put us sub watchers to work yes. okay we were, we were trying to read like two, three times the amount of subs that we normally do just to get what the fuck they're trying to say.
1: It's like that. I don't know if anyone remembers Mad TV, but there was a Bobby Lee-focused segment on the K-dramas where it was a parody of a K-drama and a character says just one syllable and the whole screen fills with subtitles. <laughs> 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 oh, man, that was, this, this show is just something else.
0: That post credit scene was really cute though. It was very simple. Bond. It's it was very realistic like a kid getting upset at their dog for destroying one of their toys, their beloved toys. And it's extra special to Anya because it was the penguin that Lloyd got for her. Um, so she very much cares about that stuffed animal. Oh,
1: I forgot. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and so it's nice to see Lloyd help repair the bond between Bond and Anya by repairing the penguin, even if it does look a little freakish now. So yeah, it was super, super cute. But again, there's a payoff, at least to this type of post credits, you know, extra scene where I think it really reinforced the again the bond the relationship between anya and bond um you know as they are growing closer and closer with each other
1: and i think he appeased her with peanuts right
0: he did that's
1: what he was like sniffing around in the pantry it's like for. the first
0: time we've seen peanuts in the f- the second half of the season
1: yes and then there's a like a, um overarching like political strategy Statement that's mixed in with this yesterday's enemy is today's ally. Yeah. Great tie in <laughs> for a, a, a show with a Cold War overtones. In Mission 22, the underground tennis tournament, the Campbell Don. Spy Family enters tournament arc territory as Lloyd and Fiona pair up in an underground tennis competition to win a piece of artwork containing political secrets, keeping the fate of Zawardo in the balance. The phony competitors make it through to the final round against the artist's own offspring, but something tells me that this game might be as rigged as an NBA finals matchup. This arc was kind of weird.
0: It was fucking weird. It was very <laughs> weird. I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool, but it just it kind of felt detached from the rest of Spy Family. Yeah. Like it was very much in a, in an arc of its own. Um, again I I liked it I thought it was interesting the way that they could use any modifications I liked the pacing of the matches like they didn't dwell too long on any one particular match they showed us some quirky moments with various opponents and then they moved on Um, but overall this like two episode arc was a bit odd
1: and then we find out I think in the next episode yeah like it was all for naught because like if the artwork they chose wasn't or the artwork that had all of these secrets turned out to not be anything fruitful. Um, I don't know if, I guess like it, this episode took the tournament arc trope and turned it on its head. Um, But yeah, it's just a tennis match in the middle of like all of this spy stuff happening, I guess with the underground criminal element that makes it more relevant to like it being espionage. But it's just like sticking sports, sticking sports into like a James Bond film. Like if Bond were to have to play a game of basketball, like to to meet with an enemy, <laughs> rather than, I think in Casino Royale he had to play a game of poker. But yeah, something was just strange about that.
0: Yeah, and the whole time you have Fiona who's clearly obsessed with Lloyd and wants to become his real wife but he thinks that she hates him Uh, and then you have Yor who I feel bad for in this entire thing because she's worried about Fiona genuinely worried you know about what her relationship might be with Lloyd that maybe Lloyd actually cares or wants to be with Fiona or maybe has romantic feelings for Fiona and that Yor will be thrown away Um, but I think there's more to be said with the the next episode of this tennis arc.
1: Speaking of which, in Mission 23, The Unwavering Path, Lloyd and Fiona tiptoe through the intentionally turbulent tennis trial and manage to sneak away with the coveted art piece despite efforts to smackeldorf the pair. But the political secrets contained within turn out to be nothing more than a covert diary entry about binders full of women. Fiona presses onward to try and take the title of best waifu from yore, but I say again, This bitch better swerve because she definitely got served.
0: So the the match continues. It's so ridiculous and over the top. But I do have to say, the part that got me so hard was when Lloyd started flailing around. Because I think they had it was the part where they introduced the snipers. And so oh, he's like, "Oh, you yeah. have to keep moving in unexpected ways <laughs> so that they can't hit you." And he literally starts flailing around. I'm like, "What is that move? Like the what wacky the <laughs>
1: inflatable tube men? Yeah." And he's just like, f- "Like
0: his neck is whipping around, and he's just all over the place." That was a very strange move for Lloyd, but. I, I, it made me laugh so hard.
1: So much foresight, too, that he just happened to have a bulletproof vest on in this tournament. Yeah. <laughs> but like vests like that are heavy, and they're constantly moving on the court. Like imagine how much stamina he would need for this whole thing.
0: Especially flailing around like that with a vest <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> um, I did see a meme on Reddit that basically commented that Fiona loves Lloyd and hates your and Yuri loves Lore <laughs> Yuri loves Yor and hates Lloyd so then you should just ship Fiona and Yuri and i'm like that's that's it makes sense but it doesn't at the same time. It's like the math makes sense but the concept doesn't make sense because they don't love each other, but they hate the same people. Or no, no, they don't hate the same people. I don't even know how they to describe it. They hate the it.
1: opposite person. Yeah, they,
0: they hate that they're together. You're, you're you're and Lloyd, so therefore they should just be together. I was reading this <laughs> meme and I'm like, like it makes sense but it doesn't at the same time. I was scratching my head about it.
1: You know, this reminds me of something in Marmalade Boy. Like Uh-oh. a similar situation that kind of plays out. Um, that's all I'll say about that. But I, I <laughs> I'd rather ship them together than for your or for Fiona to take Lloyd away from Yor.
0: Hell yeah! Don't touch Lloyd. He belongs to Yor. Anyway, um, speaking of Yor, I also love the part where she goes up against uh, Fiona in a tennis match and hits the ball faster than the speed of sound. <laughs> Oh, and that I think was, it was great. The screen
1: goes white, right? Yeah. Like, like you see in, in, like, anime deaths. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was so good. But there was that moment where I was like, man, the payoff is very little here. Um, I can imagine that it's frustrating to go through this whole tennis match and find out that the code was nothing other than, like, you know, like you said, naked women or some shit. Or it's, no,
1: it was like the... this. Um, Ostanian officials' fascination with
0: yeah, women. yeah, <laughs>
1: female actresses. There you go. Um, kind of like the like idol culture in Japan, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but then you get that quick moment at the end where Lloyd is content knowing that the code was basically just to prevent a marriage from breaking because his whole goal is to achieve peace. So he kind of has a very positive thought on it, like he now knows with certainty that this code will not cause any issues with this whole war that's going on. So it's like, okay, that's an interesting spin.
1: I mean, it was just reigniting the flames of war was just a euphemism, I think, for this official. Um, Yeah, I don't know if I thought, like, it was Lloyd realizing the importance of family because he was looking at the official's photo of his wife and daughter in the dossier. But yeah, now it's like thinking back, is Lloyd just happy that... This isn't really sparking the flames of war. Or is he starting to open up emotionally with connecting with his family members? In Mission 24, the role of a mother and wife and shopping with friends, Yor is experiencing Sad Girl Hour for feeling inadequate as a housewife, but is comforted in a drunken stupor after Lloyd reassures her that the title of best waifu is hers and hers alone. Also, Anya goes shopping. That's all.
0: This is the episode I was super excited to talk about. I've been waiting to talk about um, probably just as much as the almost kissing episode from the first part. Any any content that I can get, that, like, leads to possible shipping or, you know, canon-ness between Lloyd and Yor, I'm all for. Um, and yeah, this was great. I There is that element, though, of frustration when I watch these types of episodes, whether it's Damien and, and Anya or Lloyd and Yor, where the the writer or the creator seems to, like, give you these shipping types of moments, but no actual, like, Progression between the characters because they're always fuck with you. They're always stuck in status quo, and and the reason here with this episode is because Lloyd will not break his barriers down, and I think Yor continues to misunderstand him. So it's a great episode, but by the end of it, do I feel like there's any romantic development between Lloyd and Yor? Not so much. That is still a, a sticking point for me. However. I did really enjoy the date that they went on. I thought it was cute and funny. When Yor got wasted and showed jealousy about Fiona, I thought that was really great. Um, But then Lloyd, again, thinking about his mission, says, like, I've been in other relationships with women, I know that I can just use the honey trap to try and like make your feel comfortable. And I'm like, well, bro, that's not really the way we want this to go, but that's fine, whatever. And then she freaks out and kicks him so hard that he passes out. And then he did say right before fainting that um, he's so off his game when it comes to your, that he can't figure out why, like, Yours the only person that you know he he can't wrap his head around and I'm like bro you're so dense it's because she's, cause a, fucking she's assassin. a woman <laughs> 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 she's a woman and an assassin that's already like <laughs> two strikes there um and then he also comments when he wakes up that the last time he was ever knocked out was by his instructor back in the day and like these don't ring any alarms for you Lloyd like she kicked you so hard that you passed out which you haven't done in years I, I think it's a little Bit more than the self-defense classes that she claims she learned this from but again in the end lloyd wouldn't allow himself any feelings and just sort of plays along with her um as he's done with many women for the sake of the mission and ends up even thinking that you rejected him hardcore like when she when he s- proposed the idea of officially proposing and becoming a true married couple and she kicks the shit out of him, he's like, oh, she must hate me so much. And I'm like, no, that's not the direction I want this to go. But we do get that touching moment at the park when he opens up a tiny bit to Yor about his childhood. And I was like, fine, I'll take that because this is a first and it's huge. I think it's hopefully a sign that he's getting closer to Yor despite being a spy and despite not allowing himself to break down barriers. I mean, the fact that he even gave her a glimpse into his past could be detrimental to he- him as a spy, to revealing who he actually is, but he did it anyway. He actually broke down a tiny bit of his barrier to tell her about a moment from his childhood.
1: Well, the caveat is that Yor forgets everything that happened. I know. Oh, my day. God, it's so frustrating. So it, it, in a way, like Lloyd is protected from that. Um, yeah, that whole thing with like the dream sequence with his mom singing a lullaby, and that kind of fades into Yor, who sings a lullaby too. Even though <laughs> in her drunken state, she forgets the rest of the words. Like I thought, that was again building up an emotional connection between Lloyd and Yor, and then him telling Yor afterwards that she is she is a wonderful mother and wife because she has those motherly instincts that she picked up with raising yuri on her own and then <laughs> contrasting that with how fiona has no parenting skills but again, i think it, this is all just it might be a facade of lloyd quantifying things that are working in his favor for operation Strix.
0: and to add on to that he he remembers not remembering his mother's face, but he does remember how much he loved her. So despite not even remembering what she looks like, he that lifelong bond is still there. We keep using the word bond this whole this whole review. This, this, connection. this lifelong love um, and familiarity of his mother still impacts him to this day. And then he says how he sees a similarity with Anya and the way that she feels toward your, despite your being a new member of Anya's life. And he also comments, maybe to himself, maybe it was like an inner monologue type of thing, that um, seeing how Yor can achieve that type of peace in Anya's life just by being herself is really impressive when Lloyd is doing everything that he can to achieve similar type of peace for other children, but by having to be a spy and put his, you know, life at risk. So he sees the value that Yor brings, not only to Operation Strix, but to Anya, and hopefully to his life as well. <laughs> I'm like, damn, I just want some romantic progression between the two of them.
1: Yeah, well, just, just be upfront about what you want. Is it the mission? Is it with being in this family? It's so confusing. But hey,
0: like I said, there's a little bit of that barrier breaking if he was comfortable enough to tell you a tiny bit about his past. So that could be the start of what we're so desperately wanting. But then you have a weird like just juxtaposition, if I'm using that word correctly, right at the end of that sequence where you see Frankie um, back at the, the the apartment with Anya and she's super excited waiting for Lloyd and York to come home and he's watching her in her excitement but with a really like subdued face and then asks like, hey, do you like your mom and dad? And I think he's trying to gauge like if Lloyd is creating too much of a connection with this family cuz mm. Frankie again is the one that told Lloyd in the first part you know don't get too close to these people.
1: I didn't even pick that up at all. He
0: like looked very didn't like disappointed but just like unamused that she was so excited to see Lloyd and Yor come home.
1: Cuz it's all going to come crashing down. I know.
0: <laughs> but yeah, and then shopping.
1: That's it. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's I guess see <laughs> for me the only take-,
0: take away from the shopping part was that Damien blushes at the sight of Anya. Um, so that kind of showed that she doesn't need some fancy outfit like Becky claims that she does in order to capture his heart. He just likes her, even if he doesn't want to admit it.
1: I mean, there is a parallel here that's established between Becky and Damien where they feel like they have to live up to their parents' expectations, and that's why Becky's always shopping for the next designer thing. But I think from Anya's point of view... Anya's just simply enjoying her time with Becky. Like, again, thinking about her past as an orphan and having been experimented on. Just the the wonder of having friends and exploring hobbies just as a regular child is the thing that she enjoys most. So it's kind of like what she is experiencing with Lloyd and Yor in their small family is just being able to be a kid basically
0: yeah and from so yeah it's Anya's first true friend but then also one of Becky's I guess closest friends or I guess first true friends because she's had a hard time making friends
1: yeah that's what her butler was saying yeah
0: and it's it's also maybe going to be important down the road for the two of them to have this close friendship because Becky's dad owns that like Is he an arms dealer or like he owns a company that makes explosives?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think she has that bomb hairpin or whatever. Yeah,
0: so I could see her family coming into play at some point.
1: And finally, in Mission 25, First Contact, the day of Donovan Desmond's dinner date has descended upon My Eden Academia. So Anya pulls some strings for Lloyd to have a happenstance meeting with the despot as Donovan has a very quick catch-up session with Damien. While Lloyd falters in gathering enough intel about the odd-eyed autocrat, he gets an in with Donovan after talking about the power of not friendship, but family. For as we know, with this flawed but functional family of a spy, an assassin, a goodest child, and Anya, home is where the hardship is.
0: Aww. Is that a reference to Bond? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't <laughs> sure if
1: you were going to catch that. <laughs>
0: the goodest boy, for sure. <laughs> and Anya. Yeah, and Anya. <laughs> this episode flew by. I thought there was going to be some sort of post credit scene, but nope, there wasn't. But uh, it was a great episode, super substantial to Operation Strix, um, and also showed us a ton of what it's like to be part of the Desmond family. You get Lloyd progressing, progressing his mission by making first contact with Donovan, but then also helps Damien feel a tad bit connected to his father when his father praises him for the good work he's done so far. And I did like the part, of course, where Damien said that he wanted to hang out more with Anya and become better friends, but then got flustered and realized like what he had said. <laughs> I thought it was really cute. So I, I think this episode is really what I wanted from this entire second half of the season. I wanted something super substantial to the plot. And even though the entire thing takes place with one conversation in a courtyard, it revealed so much about the potential, um, where, where this plot could go next in terms of like Lloyd and Donovan.
1: Yeah, it was a very muted finale, but one that was, it still felt tense and engaging with this back and forth between Lloyd and Donovan. Uh, I think with this conversation, it's almost like Lloyd reached an evolution in understanding the power of being a guardian or a parent or even just caring for others in general beyond the bounds of what he's known in his traditional spy work where he typically goes it alone. And I think that opens up something in in Donovan's mind where he, he finally says I think well done to Damien like this really small praise of agno- or small phrase of acknowledgement um, and you know that that just embolders is that a word? Bolsters bolsters embolders, Damien emboldens, <laughs> emboldens bolsters Damien to continue working hard and continuing to want to earn his father's favor uh, even though he shouldn't work that hard to earn his father's favor um just remind me, like, Donovan's an example of bad parenting in anime, I guess.
0: He is. He really is.
1: Also, what's up with his eyes? Like, why is, is, the is, is he, The man has like, seen some shit, okay. <laughs> I was, like, he's an in in, insomniac. Also, notice I don't know if he has earrings or if those are just, like, moles on his ears. But they're... I think they're on both sides.
0: Yeah, he's a freaky-looking dude. That's for sure.
1: And I get what, like, his character design references, like the despots and dictators of old but you know those eyes those horrible blackened eyes (laughs) and that brings us to our final thoughts for spy family season one part two
0: season oh yeah yeah let's do our final thoughts for the second half but the rating we're going to give is for the entire The entirety of season one.
1: Yes. So how many Talk the Talk and Waku the Wakus out of 10 would you give this anime?
0: I would give season one, the entire season one of Spy Family, a 9.5 out of 10. I know we didn't talk a lot about it in this part two review, but we talked about it extensively, I believe, in our part one review. The animation fucking flawless in this show. Um, Cloverworks and Wit Studio they are doing work. They I hope have struck like that perfect balance of a studio collab which we haven't always seen work out so well in other cases but what they're doing is working and I hope they continue to do this and continue to have that, that strong uh, collaboration for the rest of this anime because it just looks so beautiful everything looks amazing it's crisp it's clean it's choreographed so well um, even the smallest movements have like a lot of purpose and thoughtfulness behind them also that something we didn't mention too much in the part two review music is phenomenal the soundtrack is so fucking good for spy family i think one of my favorite examples is the like main spy theme which i guess you could call lloyd's theme is amazing for him, but then you have that, basically that exact same song played really clunky and squeaky and like really goofy because it's meant to be Anya's version because she wants to be a spy like Lloyd. That alone just tells you how much thought went into this entire soundtrack. And then of course there's the story. So thinking about part one of season one, I really enjoyed it. I loved the foundation it laid for Spy Family, how it introduced us to the characters, And while it did have some, again, like fillery episodes, there was always tons of payoff behind them. I would say I like part two of the season just slightly less. It's not to say I don't like it. I fucking love it. It's amazing. That's why the whole thing is getting a 9.5 out of 10. But I would say I was just slightly less impressed with the second half besides like the Bond arc um, because it had more of that filler feel and maybe less opportunities for payoff. Um, and I, I wanted more main plot progression, which we really didn't get until that final episode of the entire season. So I still think that the overall show is great. The, the concept of Spy Family is so good, and I am so excited for more Spy Family content. I'm glad that we got a confirmation for not only a season two, but a movie, whatever that fucking movie will be. What about you? What's your rating?
1: I'm giving Spy Family season one and eight and a half out of ten. I know that I've been a bit lukewarm about Spy Family from the first core, but admittedly I've begun to warm up to this show in the second core after accepting the fact that the show may take some time in really fleshing out the mission against Donovan Desmond. And you know what? That's okay because it has a well-balanced diet of action and slapstick comedy that keeps you engaged while building up a a bond with its crazed cast of characters. And everything else that's put in foundation to that, from the visuals by Cloverworks and with Studio, to the music, as you said, by by no name. And just everything else in between just keeps the show moving at a great solid pace. By the way, the soundtrack is available on Spotify, I think for part one at least, so you can get to enjoy the tracks that Courtney mentioned earlier. Just to point them out, I guess Lloyd's theme is Strix, um, and then the uh, Anya's variation on that theme is Plan B. So <laughs> give those a listen if you want to enjoy that espionage feel. Um, Lloyd and Anya, of course, they're the stellar stars of this show, as with their antics and hijinks ramping up in part two with the slow but steady progress in building that relationship with Donovan. And I think we have, I have to make an honorable mention to Bond, of course, who has become the bestest and goodest boy of this series with his heartwarming arc and, I would say, a presence that steals every scene that he is in. My continuing gripe is that we really never got to see as much of what Yor is up to in comparison to Lloyd and Anya, besides the fact that, especially in Part 2, she continues to struggle to be a good housewife. Like, is she still taking on assassination contracts? Like, where is all of that happening? All we see right now is the housewife stuff, but I think it's still, the stuff we get there is still quality content. As for the story, I think the comedic twists and turns are great ways to subvert expectations of the spy genre, but my hope is that with the pivotal encounter we see at the end of the second core between Lloyd and Donovan Desmond, we continue to get more substance like that in the plot that drives Operation Strix further along and just continues to put the eponymous spy family in interesting and sometimes precarious situations. As I mentioned earlier, like at some point, will Lloyd and Yor have to square off against each other in their respective alter egos and find out the truth of their identities and their missions? Whether or not those situations will come to fruition for now i can say that spy family is a very solid watch and it'll be exciting to see more of the family dramedy unfold in the future
0: interesting so you like part two better than part one and i like part one better than part two
1: yeah maybe because i just settled into like knowing what the show is about in part two and just again going along for the ride
0: really quick note about Season 2 of Spy Family. I pulled it up here on Mal, my anime list. And they have it listed as airing sometime in 2023.
1: Was that mm, in the teaser? I think so. Here, let me pull it up. That really is so quick. fucking fast.
0: If they're doing a season 2 and a movie, that is really fast. Like maybe alarmingly fast. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, I think it is in the teaser. I'm looking at like the first moments here and it does say 2023. 20- yes.
1: Uh, I'm seeing the teaser right now. Spy, Family, and then. Or not in the beginning of the. Te- oh, yeah, 2023, it says. At Damn. Just some point. Okay. Two.
0: So we'll be talking about it sooner than we expect. And I, I'm, I'm wondering if the movie will come after season two.
1: Yeah, I think the movie's also touted to come out this year. What 2023. the fuck? <laughs> Holy shit. So, yeah, Wood Studio and Cloverworks have a lot on their plate right now.
0: I mean, it's probably like their golden child. They, they probably make so much money off of Spy Family with how incredibly popular it is that they're like, let's let's do this shit. But again, with any anime, it's like, take your time. I would rather wait for a really solid adaptation to come out than get a, an anime sooner and have that be like a big disappointment. So if we have to wait till fall 2023 season, I'm fine with that.
1: I don't know. Do you think that Spy Family is almost going the My Hero route? with all the hype surrounding it?
0: No. no. I think Spy Family is good. Like it's it is what it knows exactly what it is. It's not trying to be anything more than that. It knows that it's over the top comedy with this really interesting, you know, core plot that's always kind of slowly progressing, but it's not it's not trying to be this insane story. I think that's why they're taking so long on moving Operation Strix forward. They're just here. It's more about the ride. Like, this is just a fun ride um, that will have, I'm I'm guessing, some really good payoff at the end of it all. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that Spy Family does deserve the hype at this point, just like My Hero did for the first three seasons. I just hope it doesn't go the My Hero route and kind of fall off at any point.
1: I guess I was more looking at like the current strategy with having that movie and then that season two. Like, is this going to... Like, are they going to treat this almost like a cash cow, like My Hero has become? That is
0: a little concerning. I I do have that worry with the movie. Um, We'll just have to see how good the movie is. If the movie is like a disappointment, then yeah, it seems like... Or it may seem like they're kind of, you know, doing all this to cash grab. But I hope it's a good movie. I hope it's fun.
1: Plus, they have the the musical that's coming out. Did you hear about that?
0: I did. Spy <laughs> <This Five laughs> Family
1: musical. That I think that happens with most anime in Japan. Like they turn into musicals for some reason. Um, and <laughs> I was looking at a picture of some of the cast. They just all look like they're cosplaying.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, of course, we will be back with more Spy Family content One season two, and apparently the movie drop sometime this year. So look forward to those reviews. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed our part one and part two review of season one of Spy Family, and we can't wait for more of it. Subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash Strictly series and to strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's bizarre adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.